the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be of his own household. Watch this. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather today. As we gather, Father, I was just challenged this morning, give us a glimpse into ourselves, into the darkness that is still there, into the things that need to change, into the ugliness and morbidity and putridity of our own sin and its effect on our ministry, on the world around us, on the church, on our country, on our world. Help us to see that we can do nothing in our own strength, but that we need a rescuer, a savior. And help us to convey that message to a lost and dying world Without apology, Lord, let the church never forget its prophetic role in the community to proclaim the truth, Father. So many people forget that prophecy is more than end times, Lord, that it is living out our faith. It is declaring the truth day in and day out. Help us to be a church family that does that here. And Father, as we begin to rethink the gospel today, as we've been rethinking church. 
Help us to rethink our lives and our role in that church and our place in your church and the calling with which we've been called to put off sin, to put on Christ, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is you at work in our lives to will and to work your good pleasure. Help us to be good slaves, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are in part five of a series about rethinking church, about rethinking our devotion to the church, about reconsidering these things, about taking them more seriously maybe than we have in the past. And today's sermon is about rethinking the gospel and your devotion to Christ because your commitment to one is your commitment to the other. And, and I subtitle it, you know, today you, you often hear people say, well, God has a wonderful plan for your life. No, he doesn't if you reject Christ. I mean, it's wonderful for everybody else, but not wonderful for you. And so for some, the good news isn't so good. And we're going to be talking about that today as well. But before we do, or as we do, I want you to think with me about medication and medicine. You know, one of the things I've learned over the past 18 months, if anything, is to take as directed. You know, it's, you know, you don't want to mess with the prescription when it's given. And even as a compounding pharmacist, my father owned a pharmacy when I was growing up. When the doctor sends a prescription, your job is to deliver that prescription as prescribed so that the person can take as directed. People are often tempted not to do so for one reason or another. One of the things that always, that always comes to mind for me, and even came to mind for me as a younger man working in the drugstore, was antibiotics. People, people talk about, and it's a very serious, serious and sad crisis, the opiate crisis, but the antibiotic crisis. People take antibiotics for colds. Nothing could be more useless more foolish than that. People get antibiotics and they don't take as directed. Antibiotics only work on bacterial infections. They don't work on colds. They don't work on viruses. And what happens is you, uh, when you don't use them properly, your system and the disease in your system, if you, if you don't do it right, develops an immunity to the antibiotic. That's where we get superbugs from. And a lot of times people don't take antibiotics. They get an infection. They don't take as directed. What do I mean by that? It's like this, you know, you're supposed to take it three times a day for 14 days by mouth. You read the instructions. And after about two or three days, you know, it's racking up your stomach. I get it. And after about two or three days, you begin to feel better. So you stop taking them. And what you've done is inoculated that bacteria to that antibiotic because you didn't kill it. And so you have failed to take as directed and you have hardened that disease in your system and if it ever comes back and you have to take antibiotics it, you may be uh, on the wrong end of a losing proposition and that's where all these superbugs come from well you see people today do the same thing at some level with the gospel they want to they, they're well-intended, and often the result is the, the reason for what they do is they're biblically undereducated. They want to make the gospel easier to take. And so they, they, uh, if they were a pharmacist, they would mess with the compounds or the makeup of that gospel. 
And what they end up doing is giving somebody less than the gospel. And they give them one of these, just pray a prayer and just believe in Jesus and everything's going to be all right. No, I, I can tell you in my own life, when I embraced Christ the next three years of my life, it was like, I aged me almost 10 years. It didn't get better. My life got worse. And so will yours sometimes. And so we want to give people the whole gospel. We don't want to give them a truncated or abbreviated gospel. We want to give them everything that's there because what you don't want to do is to give somebody a gospel that doesn't save and now they think they're okay and you have inoculated them from the truth because they've had something like it, like playing with the antibiotics or playing with the compounds that go into a prescription. So today, as we rethink our devotion to Christ and to his church, I'd like us to rethink the gospel. I'd like you to rethink your understanding of it. I'd like us all to do that. And so today what we're going to do is ask and answer five questions about the gospel so that we can make sure that we got it, that what we're delivering is the right prescription and we are delivering it as prescribed by the great physician so that these people that we are evangelizing can take as directed. And so here are the questions in advance. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? And why does it, as we've talked about before, right? The gospel stinks, it smells. Why does it stink and offend? And question number three is what can we do about that smell? What can we, what can we do to make it more palatable? And number four is, but what is the gospel? And number five is, why does the gospel really offend? What is the problem with the gospel? So, uh, let's take the first question. What is the gospel? I heard uh, a missionary once say in a meeting, and they said it rather flippantly, so what's the gospel anyway? And despite the flippancy and arrogance of her question that day, it is a serious and legitimate question today. It's one that has to be answered scripturally, not culturally, not comfortably. And to be sure, an explanation of the pure gospel can be adapted culturally insofar as the window dressing, but you cannot change its key elements. You cannot change its structure. You cannot change its core. Otherwise, you tamper with the prescription and its elements, and no one can take as directed. So, what is the gospel? I want to say this. If you change the heart of the gospel, you might as well be changing the scriptures. That's how serious of an offense it is. You know, today, you know, we've talked about Wycliffe before where they are putting uh, Islamic uh, idioms in their Bible translations. You don't have the right to change the text to suit the culture. You know, you don't want to offend a Muslim. Well, should we take out the Old Testament sacrifices so we don't offend Hindus who are vegan, right? You don't change the word of God and you don't change the gospel. And so what is the gospel? In the prologue to the book of Romans, Paul describes it this way in Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek, the Greek being the Gentile, the non-Jew. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What is the gospel? It is the power of God to salvation. The gospel contains the power of God to salvation. You see that in verse 16. For in it, verse 17, one obtains eternal life. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. Even though as we've discussed in the past couple of weeks, the gospel has a smell. It stinks to some people. But no matter how it smells, realize that it is the only means of salvation. There are no substitutes. And so if it smells, uh, if it causes a stink, what can we do about it? Well, that before we say what, let's ask why. And that leads us to our second question. Why does the gospel stink and offend? Why does it smell? And this is a passage that we were investigating a few weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. And in it, the apostle Paul writes, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, to one, a fragrance of death to death. To one, the stench of death. And to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? What a calling. What a weight. We are messengers. We are errand boys and errand girls and we deliver this gospel. It has the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of him we present everywhere. And to some, it smells like death. And to some, it smells like life. Some reject it, hate it, are enraged by it, are offended by it, and some rush to it. This is the cross we bear. And this gospel reminds us, reminds the world, that we're not okay. We've got a spiritual gangrene and we need help. And some are grateful and some are in denial. It's like the stages of death, you know, uh, uh, denial, anger, acceptance, whatever. Uh, Some are in denial. And so the gospel has its own unmistakable smell and it smells like life and all things good and wonderful to some and to others it is the stench of death. And so most people... Most people will find the gospel repugnant, and that's why it's offensive. That's why it smells. That's why Jesus describes the gospel as a sword. And that's not a very pretty picture, is it? The good news of Jesus Christ, Christ's message, like Christ, divides and alienates. Here's what Jesus said when he said the gospel is a sword. You see this in Matthew chapter 10, 34 to 39. And sometimes we forget this. Sometimes, you know, this is why, you know, the gospel smells bad. What can we do about it? Well, why does it smell bad? By accident or by design? And so Jesus, Jesus says, do not think, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come, come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, 
and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be of his own household. Watch this. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. For whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, how does that sound to you? Think about what I just read. Think about what I just said. Think about what you just heard. The gospel divides. It offends. It upsets whole families. And some people say, well, that stinks. But why? Why would the power of God to save, to bring salvation to anyone and everyone, no matter who they are, no matter where they came from, offend anyone? And, and, and why would it turn one family member against another? And, and why is it so odious? What's odious about it? And what's the solution? Which sort of brings us to our third question. What can we do about this smell, this offensiveness? In a word, nothing. But to be sure, let me just say this. I've met Christians who make it more odious than it is by their conduct and by the way they say things. I heard somebody bragging once about saying, you know, I was doing this and I was doing this and I was out in public and I said, well, I'm a homophobe because I'm a Christian. Trying to make a political point and you've made, you've made the gospel stink more than it should by your conduct. And so our goal, our responsibility before God is to administer it as prescribed by the great physician because we are, again, Aaron boys and Aaron girls, we are delivering a message. We are a messenger. We are not editors. God does not need us to edit his message to make it better, to sanitize it. We're to deliver the message and take our lumps if necessary. Think of the old days with the before uh, postal carriers carried pepper spray and mace. I mean, they used to deliver the mail, rain or shine or anything, bad weather, good weather. And then, of course, the neighborhood dogs would get after them. But they were faithful to their calling. That's the way we're supposed to be. That's what he demands. That's what he expects of us. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. That sounds fun. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How would he save his life? By wavering, by making it nice. And how would he lose his life? By delivering the wrong message. Let me tell you, we have to be careful. The symbolism there today is largely lost on the 21st century person. Because in the first century, to take up your cross was to pick up the instrument of your destruction. Today, you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of comfort. You know, we don't like hardship. We don't like destruction. But what we know is this. We are called to follow in his steps and we are to be content to forfeit everything we have, everything we hold dear on earth, family for the cause of Christ, for a future reward that we cannot touch or feel or see or sense or smell right now. We, you and me, must not try to soften his message We don't need to try to sanitize it. We don't need to try to hit it with Febreze. We're to deliver the goods because we're messengers. And if it causes a stink, 
because of what's in it, not because of our behavior, but because of what's in it, so be it. We must suffer. You must be willing, ready, willing, and able to suffer alienation. That's part of taking up your cross. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, it says elsewhere, let him deny himself, and in Luke it says daily, and take up his cross and follow after me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. By way of illustration, think of yourself, and I said this, I kind of alluded to this thing earlier, as a healthcare professional, a nurse practitioner, you administer the prescription so that they can take it or ingest it as directed. There is to be no tampering with it, no dilution. And while this spiritual chemotherapy can be difficult to take, the alternative is worse. And it won't be worth the inward cost of a soul who's prayed some kind of easy prayer or made some quick decision with an outward false profession of faith. It won't be worth it. Uh, It won't do them any good, and you're going to be held accountable for it. You know, we need to avoid easy believism, decisionism. Never, ever tell people the magic words, just pray this prayer, just believe in Jesus, and everything's going to be all right. Uh, Let it smell. Let the gospel smell like it does. Let it stink if necessary. But don't mess with its contents or its ingredients. Let it fill their spiritual lungs and maybe bring spiritual oxygen to their oxygen-deprived brains. The gospel has a negative effect on the majority of people who will hear it. Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. he, He doesn't if you reject him. We, we make these statements and good and godly people put these little short things together, but in the end, sometimes it led to uh, over-abbreviation and a misused, misunderstood gospel doesn't save. Now, here's the importance of the gospel. You say, well, the more, majority of the people, the majority of the people are gonna reject it, why present it? Well, because you're commanded to, number one. And number two, this. We often say God's word doesn't return void. And we don't really think about everything that that means. It doesn't mean that if you read the Bible to somebody, they're all going to get saved. It's like this. God's word only goes out. The gospel only goes out for one of two reasons. Salvation or condemnation. So when you present the gospel, you're either giving them the words of life or you're taking away one less excuse that they're going to try to throw out at the end of the age. I didn't know. The gospel is either the way of life to them or an extra nail in their coffin. And you are commanded to deliver that gospel and not play with it. So don't try and air freshen it or sanitize it. Leave it with them. Let it make them uncomfortable. Let it smell to them. But whatever you do, don't play with the ingredients. Which brings us to our fourth question. But what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And the Apostle Paul gets to the heart of the matter in 1 Corinthians 15. We have 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. We're going to focus on really 3 through 4 or 5. But here's what it says. For I delivered to you, watch this, of first importance. For I delivered to you of primary 
importance. What was that? What I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.